All right, how's everybody doing today? I feel like uh, we're all just kind of quiet and just resting, so uh, I'm anticipating some people to start resting right now. <laughs> That's okay. If you fall asleep while I preach, I just figure that God's peace is so strong that uh, He's ministering to you even in your dreams, so... Hallelujah. Well, if you want to open your Bibles, we're going we're gonna to be looking at some Christmas uh, stuff for the next couple weeks. We're taking a break on Philippians. Uh, open your Bible to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. You know, I'm kind of like my wife. I like the Christmas season uh, for probably different reasons than she does, but uh, it's always been... Uh, just a special time for me, and I know that, again, as she started our service, if you weren't here, she started with ministering to us, uh, those of us here who, that's not the case, because it's not the case for everybody, uh, but for me, uh, there's always been a wonder in Christmas, there's always been, you know, I love Christmas carols, I grew up singing them as a kid, uh, and so it's like, most people are like, oh, stop playing the Christmas song, stop playing Christmas song, and I'm not, I'm not talking about, you know, Santa got run over by a reindeer and all that stuff, well, whatever, Grandma, Santa, it doesn't really matter, um, at least Grandma's real, um, so, <laughs> so, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about those types of songs, I'm talking about songs that, like, just worship Jesus, that, I mean, when they, when those, those guys wrote those songs, and gals, if they were, you know, they, they were moved by the, the power of Jesus coming to earth as a baby, of Jesus coming to, to rescue his people, of Jesus showing up and being the light in the middle of the darkness. And they're like, joy to the world. Man, could we use some of that right now, right? So what I want to do, at least I don't even want to predict what I'm going to do next week. Uh, my wife doesn't know either. So um, I, I'm going to look at some prophecies of Jesus. I really wandered around all different kinds of places, I can tell you that. Um, and we landed on this. And so Isaiah chapter 9, you know there are over, there are over 300 prophecies of the Messiah coming uh, in the Old Testament. And the odds that someone would randomly fulfill even one quarter of those is mathematically impossible. Literally mathematically impossible. Uh, does everybody... Okay, I'm just going to give you a little math. I see our math guy left right now. He's not in here right now with, with us. So, um, but if we say there's a one in ten chance... If I give you a, if I give Dave ten pieces of paper and I stick them in a bag and I say pull one out, and there's a there's a, only a mark on one, um, Dave has a one in ten chance of getting that marked piece of paper. Not bad, right? That's possible. It happens. You know, you're you're gonna every once in a while you're gonna pull it out. But the idea that somebody could randomly fulfill all the prophecies in the Old Testament like Jesus did would be 1 in 10 to the 17th power. 
What that means, if you don't remember math, is this. 10 to the 17th power is this. 10 times 10, and then you do it 17 times. You keep multiplying out. So 10 times 10 is 100. Then the third is 10 times, you know, 100 times 10 is 1,000. Then 1,000 times 10 is 10,000. 10,000 times 10 is 100,000. 100,000 times 10 is 1 million. And we're only on like the seventh power. You go to 17. So we would have pieces of paper all over Texas, okay? And we would have one person draw a piece of paper. There's only one that's marked. The chances of one person being in one place at the right time and picking up that one piece of paper that's marked is literally impossible. And so when Jesus came, all those things were fulfilled. You can look it up on the internet if you want. If you're curious, you can go find them all. There's all kinds of places that, that give you charts and references and Bible. So we're not going to go through all that. But, but there is so much about Jesus in the Old Testament that he doesn't just randomly show up. God has been talking about him showing up for all, for all of the generations before him. And as I mentioned, I think it was probably last year where I emphasized this. The Bible is one story. The Bible's one story. And so you have to view the Bible as the complete story. It is the, you know, it's not just random things that God did all throughout history. It's not just, you know, different episodes of your favorite series and you try to binge it or whatever. You know, this is, this is one story, really long one. But it's one story. And so God is telling his story over and over again. And there's the promise of of a Messiah coming over and over again. God calls the people. He calls them. You know, he rescues them from slavery in Egypt. He brings them into a promised land. But that's not it. The promised land wasn't it. The promised land wasn't the, the final fulfillment of everything. The point of all of that was to bring Jesus. And so this is one of those prophecies of Jesus in the Old Testament. And so I want us to take a look at it. Part of it is really famous and part of it isn't. So Isaiah 9, starting in verse 1. I don't think I put that scripture in. Uh, I'm in the NIV. If, if it's not NIV on the screen, it's my fault. So uh, Holy Spirit, we invite you to open the word as we read it. In Jesus' name. Nevertheless... There will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. Hang with it here. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness... A light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. And here's the one you might have heard before. For to us, or unto us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. 
and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government or his dominion and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. God was passionate about bringing Jesus. That's what zeal means, like super excited, okay? If, if we could translate that word, man, we should be we should use that word now because it's like it's so different uh, that it might get people's attention. But, you know, I'm zealous for that. People are like, what? <laughs> Start a new trend, Jerry. Come on. We're going to get it rocking all over the, over the world. Everybody's saying zeal and zealous, okay? But God was passionate about bringing Jesus. He wanted to do this. And some of the things here are obvious that are Jesus, but others are, are maybe not so obvious Uh, So let me fill that in for you. Number one is this. When Jesus first started his ministry, guess what area he went to? Yep, Zebulun and Naphtali. That's where Jesus started his ministry. Now, why is that significant? You're like, well, I don't care where those places are. Uh, I'd have failed geography in school, and uh, they don't really care if you know geography when you get a job, right? Um, Not anymore. But let me tell you this. The first places in the land of Israel, there were 12 tribes, and the first places that were taken captive and captured by the Assyrians was which areas? Just take a wild guess. Zebulun and Naphtali. So in the place that the people of God first experienced destruction and loss and mourning and grief, is the place that when Jesus comes to earth and starts his ministry, that's where he goes first. Because Jesus always shows up where there there has been devastation, where there has been a robbing of hope, and he brings hope and light. You know, when Jesus showed up, and we talked about this on Wednesday night, for those of you here for our Bible study There had been 400 years where nobody had heard from God. That's a long time. That's a really long time. You know how long 400 years? Go back 400 years. The United States doesn't even exist 400 years ago. Think about all the history that we think we have in our nation. And for longer than that, nobody heard from God. Nothing. No miracles. No new songs from heaven. There was, you know, no prayer answered. There was nobody who prophesied and gave a word from God. There was, there was nothing. There was no visions. There was no dreams. There was no interaction with heaven. There was nothing. It was silent. It's called the, the, they call it the 400 years of silence, the silent years. And then in, in Luke chapter 1, we see God begins to break through to this one couple named uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth. And they, he has a vision of, of an angel while he's doing his work as a priest at the temple. And it's the first time anybody's heard from God in 400 years. That'll get your attention. It got his attention so much that he didn't even believe it. And then he was, guess what? He was silent for nine months because he didn't believe God, right? 
But God begins to break through and then this miracle happens. They have a baby in their old age and they wanted to. (laughs) Some of y'all didn't get that one. (laughs) Some of y'all aren't old yet. (laughs) And so, (laughs) so this miracles break forth and then John the Baptist is born and what? Then his father is mirac- you know, writes his name. His name is John. And when he agrees with heaven, suddenly heaven releases his tongue and he begins to prophesy. He begins to de- declare the praises of God. And it says everywhere, everybody heard about this. Why? Because God had done something that hadn't happened in 400 years. You see, when Jesus showed up on earth, it says there was a, you know, nevertheless, there would be no more gloom. It was a time of gloom. Can you relate to a time of gloom? I kind of feel like we can relate to a gloom time right now. This is, we've kind of been going through a lot of gloom time in the last couple of years in our world, in our nation, you know, maybe in our personal life. You're like, forget all that. I've had gloom time right here. I don't need to worry about out there. I'm worrying about right here. And so that is where Jesus shows up. He shows up right in the gloom time when people have given up. Have you gotten to that place where you've ever given up? Man, isn't that the place? Isn't God so good? Isn't Jesus so good that that's the place he shows up? Don't you? And sometimes we don't like it, right? Where God shows up in the place of like hopelessness in your life. And you're like, God, I don't want to think about that. I'm trying to just like ignore it and see if it goes away, right? Just I'm going to pretend it's not there. I'm going to be happy Christian today. Jesus is amazing. <laughs> How are you doing? Everything's amazing in my life. I'm lying. <laughs> but I'm lying till I believe it, right? But Jesus shows up in that place of, of hopelessness. The, the land where they had first experience loss it says there is a light shining there that the people walking in darkness have seen a great light actually jesus fulfills this in the book of matthew he quotes it matthew says when jesus shows up and begins to be doing miracles on earth he says look the light has come and we've all heard the illustration before but darkness can never stop light it's not possible it's not physically possible and it's not spiritually possible either you know, we've been, uh, you know, Pastor uh, Don Hazlett, if you weren't, haven't been here for long with us, he was, they served here with us for a brief moment, and uh, he's very into pulling out the Hebrew-Jewish roots of, of faith, and so he introduced us to, to celebrating Hanukkah from a Christian perspective. Don't get all freaked out. Some of y'all are like, we, we ain't going back to the Old Testament, we're not trying to follow the laws. You don't have to do this. Uh, you know, we're not trying to do, we're not going backwards, we're going forward. But the thing about this, he introduced it to us. And so what we've been doing is we've been doing, every night is uh, we've got our little menorah thing. Okay, see, see I'm not really versed in it because I call it a thing, right? So it's, you got the menorah and the center candle is called the servant candle. And so that represents for us as believers, we change it around. And we say, this is the candle. Who is the ultimate servant? It's Jesus. So Jesus lights up all the other candles. And of course, Hanukkah was based on the idea during the, four, the silent years where there was actually a miracle that happened, um, that, or right before those silent years happened, that, that um, 
oil kept burning even though there wasn't enough oil. It was a miracle of provision. And so that's where Hanukkah was birthed. Remember the eight days of miracles. And so it's a celebration of miracles. So what we do is we light a candle each night. We've actually been reading a traditional Jewish blessing. And then we, then we pray for miracles. And here's the thing about light. On the, fir- on, the first, on the first night, you take the center candle and you light the one candle on the far side. Because it's the first day. And then the second candle, you do the second one, the third one. And tonight, we will light the last candle. But the interesting thing is this. The first night we did it, we had all the lights on. You know, we just lit the candles and we prayed and prayed for some of you. Some of you watching online, we're praying for you. We're just release miracles in those people's lives. We're believing for the miracles of God because Jesus is the one that does it. And so every night. But then as we got late, later on, as we light more candles, we noticed, man, it's really like super bright. So we like, last night when we did it, we like, we turned off all the lights and just lit it up. And just those uh, eight candles that were lit up produced a whole lot of light in our kitchen. Just a little bit of light drives away darkness. And so sometimes we're like, man, God, I need you to do something amazing. I need you to do something huge. I, no, God, sometimes he just needs to do something small. Because as soon as the fire is lit, the darkness is being pushed back. In John 1, it says and, you know, that the light appeared and the darkness could never overcome it or extinguish it. And so that's what happened. When Jesus showed up, he couldn't be stopped. It didn't matter if he showed up in a place of hopelessness, he was going to release hope. It didn't matter if he showed up in a place of darkness, he was going to release light. It didn't matter if he showed up in a place of doubt and lies. He was going to release truth. It didn't matter if he showed up in a place of bondage and oppression. He was going to release freedom. Because that's who he is. And he came to release freedom to the captives. So first he gives hope where devastation had robbed hope. Jesus gives hope where devastation had robbed hope. Second thing is this. In verse 3 it says... You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. Jesus brought joy in the middle of gloom. If you're feeling gloomy, guess what? The answer is Jesus. It says in the word, in your presence is fullness of what? Joy. If you are battling gloominess, depression, and discouragement, the, the thing that will break you out of it is being in the presence of God and allowing Him to release His joy. When Jesus showed up, it was a joyful time. What did it say when Jesus was announced? This will be good news with what? Great joy for all the people. This is for everyone. Everyone everywhere. And so in the middle of our darkness, in the middle of our hopelessness, in the middle of whatever we're, we're battling with right now, confusion, uh, not having direction, not seeing prayers answered, whatever it may be in your life, just know in the middle of it, God wants you to just get His presence and say, sit next to me and guess what? You're going to get some joy leaked out on you. Because Jesus was full of joy. 
It says it, it has two little illustrations here. Did you notice it? It says there's the joy of the harvest and the joy of dividing the plunder. The joy of the harvest, I have I can't explain because I'm not a farmer. But I've heard from those in my family or others, man, harvest is a fun time. It's a, it's a celebration because you're like, yes, we got what we got something to bring in from what we planted. When Ronnie Maven brings me his whatever you brought me this year, you brought what did you bring me? Zucchini. Oh, yeah, I didn't hear what he said. So turnips. Did you give me turnips? <laughs> oh, you didn't. The turnips didn't come. Is that what you're saying? But you gave us some squash and zucchini and stuff or whatever, cucumbers, whatever. I don't remember what you grew. So somebody, there's several people that gave me fresh stuff, so thank you very much. It's so awesome. We love it. Um, but that's something amazing. I mean, even if you grow it in, you know, just your little yard and you, you get something and you're like, yes, I got a tomato. I mean, at least that's what we did when it was like, yes, they got a tomato. It's all because of Don Bazell, but we got some. Those of you who don't know, Don Bazell is a uh, man who was elder in our church for a long time here. He would take care of the lawn, and then he planted tomatoes when I lived next door, and then he took care of them, and guess what? We grew tomatoes <laughs> because Don was there. <laughs> but when, when you get the harvest, it's a time of celebration. In other words, it's a time of receiving what you planted. You know, have you been, what have you been planting have you been planting prayers? Then there's a time of harvest coming. You keep, you keep sowing because there will be a time to reap. You know, every year when you, you plow up the field, you put the seed in there, and you, you let the water and you put the fertilizer in. But the whole point of that is not to do all that. It's to reap the harvest. And so understand that if you are planting spiritually in your life right now, you are looking forward to the harvest. And if you're always planting, then guess what? There's a lot of times where you're going to harvest in times when you weren't expecting it because you forgot that you planted that seed. But God doesn't forget when you plant a seed. It's like sometimes, you know, I've been thinking about this. You know, there's sometimes when you're just, you're just sitting in God's presence and you're praying. Have you ever had this happen? Then you just start praying for someone out of the blue. You just, you just think of someone. They just come to your mind. It's probably not just your mind. It's probably God. And you, and you pray a prayer. But then you move on and you totally forget about it. But even though you've forgotten about it, the Lord has not forgotten. That prayer is still being germinated and growing and, and receiving life and and being watered spiritually. And sometimes those things come up. We're like, wow, where did that come from? Well, maybe you don't even remember. But somebody planted the seed. Somebody sowed into that situation. And when we get the harvest, man, that is so fun. But we have to do both. You have to plant the seeds to get the harvest. So that's, that's, the, that's the picture of joy. But it's also the picture of this. The picture of, of it says, of an army dividing the spoils. What? What does that mean? That means you won. (laughs) Anybody like winning? Who likes losing? (laughs) Does there? I mean, does anybody just likes losing? It's like I just have a victim mentality. I just nobody likes losing, right? I mean, especially your my kids aren't in here. I can talk about them. Thank you. They're all gone. I don't know what. I guess they're working on the Christmas thing. But so, man. 
you see your kids and they have different levels of, of lose. Nobody likes to lose, right? And when you're the older brother, you always win. It's just the law of the Lord, Dave. <laughs> it's, just, it's just the way it is. I mean, sure, it's because you're bigger and older and, you know, whatever. But you just, you just always win. I, I still remember, like, I know I've told this illustration 37 times probably. But I never lost a set to my little brother in tennis. And we played a lot of sets. I'd, I'd probably say 500 to 700 sets of tennis. Like, we used to go every Saturday, ride our bikes before we could drive, and play tennis for four hours on Saturday morning. Never lost one time. And the one time it was really close, I think it was my dad was there too. He, like, stepped on the ball, twisted his ankle, so we had to leave. <laughs> so we don't know. We don't know what would have happened. He always says, what would have happened? I was doing really well that day, and you were doing bad. Yeah, but, you know, I, I probably would have come back and won, but I won Every single time. I, I never was sad about that. I, I really... Because when you win, you're never... You know, now when you become a father and you gain wisdom, guess what you do? I said I would never do this. But I let my kids win. Can you believe that? Especially my little girl, Right? Because she's a cheater anyway, but <laughs> we're playing a game last night and she's like, you have to match up the cards and you get the more points you get, the more you match up. OK, and so she's going, she pulls one out that doesn't match. I'm like, OK, that's it, baby girl. She's like, well, we're going to play my way tonight. So and so she just keeps going like we're going to flip the net. That card goes to the bottom. We're going to flip to the next one. She's like, man, I got like 25 in a row. I'm like, that's amazing. You, you won. <laughs> that's that's so awesome. Because, we, you know, victory is a good thing. And God's a God of victory. And it doesn't matter if we win at tennis or cards or any of those things. None of those things really matter. The older we get, we realize those victories don't matter. But there are victories that do matter. There are victories that matter when you're praying for a loved one and they finally give their heart to Jesus. That victory matters. When you're asking God to free you from something and finally there's a breakthrough in your life. Yes, I am now free. God has delivered me and I don't ever have to go back to that thing anymore. That's a victory worth celebrating. When God frees us. And so that's, that's a, a place of joy. It's a place of celebration. And that's what Jesus brought. That's why the angels announced it. That's why there was a party going on in heaven that we got to glimpse. Because Jesus was coming to earth. The one with the joy was coming to the place of gloom. It's good news. Christmas is good news. If it's not good news to someone, we need to give them the good news. The good news that, that Jesus came, that love came down to rescue us. Then it goes on from this and it says, Every warrior's, uh, every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. In other words, this, there's going to be peace in the middle of conflict. So all that stuff's going to be put away. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. You've got Jesus' humanity and divinity 
his manness and his godness right there. The child speaks to his manness. The son speaks to his godness. And the government will be on his shoulders. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. If you've just got those four descriptions right there, the four attributes of, of who Jesus is, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Which one of those do you need this season? Which, which do you most need right now? Do you need, do you need the mighty God? Do you need the victorious one? Do you need to go, God, I just need, I just need a, I need a win. <laughs> I, I need, I need to see your, your hand in my life. I need to see your hand in my family. I need to see a breakthrough in my finances. I need to see a breakthrough. I've been praying for my kids and they, they don't talk to me anymore. Whatever it is, I don't know. I've battling sickness in my body. I need to, I need to see the mighty God. The word there is like, hey, the, the, the champion. That's what it is. Like the word there is, this is the, the champion God right here. The Prince of Peace. He's ruling with his, his peaceful presence. He doesn't have to use war to rule. He uses peace to rule. When you have authority, that's what happens. When you have sovereignty, that's what's happened. Your peace is actually the most powerful you ha- thing you have, not your, not your weaponry, not all that. It's the, the power of your rule in peace. Maybe you just need an everlasting father. He never stops being a father. He never stops having a father's heart towards us. Maybe you just need wisdom. I need a wonderful counselor. I need someone to walk me through some things right now that I cannot get through, that I cannot figure out on my own. Sometimes we have to not try to figure it out on our own. As an oldest child, that's what, that's what you do. You know, I told this recently, I think, but the illustration is so well. And Ashley and I just figured this out like in the last couple of years. It was like, we try to do this because we're both oldest children. So it's like, we're never going to call our parents and ask for something. Like, I, I don't know if Ashley, I mean, other than like, hey, I, you know, just basic needs. But like, if I really have a hard decision, you know, I'm not going to call mommy and daddy and say, what would you do, mommy and daddy? That's for the baby children to do. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> It's not, I'm just talking about the differences. I'm not, I'm talking about, I'm not saying this is the perfect perspective, but so we say, what do we say? I'm going to figure it out on my own because that's the way we live life. Cause our parents were figuring out how to raise us. Cause we were the first ones we're like, Oh my gosh, I don't know how to do this anyway. So as a kid, you go, well, you don't know any, I'll just figure it out. Obviously you have no clue. Um, and they're right. Cause we're like, yeah, you're right. I have no clue what, to, how to help you. <laughs> you child from God. <laughs> I, I need the wonderful counselor. But sometimes we just need to, you know, rather than saying, I'm just going to do it on my own, I'm going to figure it out. We just need to sit and wait and say, Lord, what are you saying? If you're that type of person that says, I'm just going to go for it. I'm gonna, I'll get it done. I'm just going to push through it. Well, is that the strength of the Holy Spirit? Or is that just your flesh? Is that just your own strength? I mean, there are amazing humans without Jesus. There's a lot of amazing things that happen just by humans. I mean, we're created in God's image. We have a, a lot of amazing things that God has given us without his, his intervention and input. We can, do, we can celebrate amazing things, and that's good. Those things can be all good, but they're not necessarily God. 
Because it's never enough. The best we have is never enough. It's never enough on my own to... to I can't save somebody's soul. I can't, I can't release somebody's heart from, from discouragement. I can't heal sickness and disease of myself. Human effort only goes so far. And so sometimes I need that, and human wisdom is the same thing. It's like I can figure out all this stuff, and I can have all this planned out. If you're a planner, you're like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, then I'll do this, and then we're going to do this, and it's, gonna, it's all going to happen. Right? This is exactly the way it's going to be. It doesn't usually work that way. I don't know if you figured that out yet. If not, just keep breathing. You'll figure it out. That it just, it, sometimes the plan doesn't work because it's not God's plan. <laughs> You can knock on that door all you want, and you've told God, Lord, I don't want anything but what you want, but I do want to go through this door right now. (laughs) Shaking the handle. God, are you sure you don't want to open this door for me? (laughs) Can I twist it a little bit? Can I kick it a little bit or what? I'm going to pray louder. (laughs) In the name of Jesus. (laughs) Jesus is like, I don't want the door open. (laughs) I don't care if you use my name as a formula. I don't want the door open. When we step back and say, God, do you have something to say to me? Lord, what are you saying? You're the, you're the, you're the counselor. You're the, you're the wonderful one. You're the wonderful counselor. What are you saying? He's saying, sit and wait. This isn't the door. This isn't the opportunity. This isn't the situation. Whatever it is, I'm just using a random illustration. We, he says, no, this is, this is, here's wisdom. Let me show you what wisdom looks like. I thought wisdom was going through the door, but this time wisdom was taking a step back and saying, I'm taking my hands off. And I'm going to see, I'm going to let you lead me. And then God will lead you to maybe the right door, the place you need to be. And so I don't know which, which part of who he is, but this is prophesied thousand a thousand years almost before jesus was born can you imagine i mean don't you see jesus all over this section i mean this is this is the ministry of jesus this is the life of jesus this is the birth of jesus this is the breakthrough of jesus what does he talk there too about you know setting people free from bondage the yoke that that burns them the bar across their shoulders the rod of their oppressor i mean do you need to be set free from something then jesus is the answer Whatever oppression and bondage you find yourself under spiritually, that Jesus is the bondage breaker. He's the one that comes and says, let that thing go. And he brings the breakthrough. Let's just take a second. Let's just let's just let's just close our eyes and just listen to the to the Lord. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to speak to us. Whatever part of this section of scripture, these truths that were who Jesus is and what he does, whatever we need to have highlighted, we just we just invite you to speak to us right now, Holy Spirit.
you know, before Jesus left earth, he did something. And so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna close with uh, communion today to kind of seal this. Uh, because ultimately Jesus came to earth not just to perform the miracles, not just to teach. Although he did come to do those things, as you can see even from this passage, that was part of his, part of his mission, part of him fulfilling what he was called to do. But he ultimately came to die. Jesus ultimately came to win the victory in the most strange way imaginable. To look like you're losing, yet still win. Not even Tom Brady can do it. That out of death could come life. That out of affliction and suffering could come healing. That out of blood could come forgiveness. And so Jesus said, hey, you need to do this in remembrance of me. In other words, why do we need to do this? Because we forget. We forget that, it's, that Jesus is the answer. We forget that Jesus is who he says he is. We forget that this is not just a good story. This is not just a feel-good time where we go, yay, let's feel good now, it's Christmas. No, this is, this is the reality of, of the power of Jesus overcoming the darkness and kicking hopelessness to the ground and breaking the bondage of sin in our lives and saying, I am him. I am the one. I am the one. Whatever the question is, I am the one that can do it. And so Jesus is, took bread, says, and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and he said, take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. And he knew Jesus. I love how, how God does this. Uh, God gives promises and ministers even before he actually accomplishes the thing. He's like, look, it's, it's, just, it's as if I already did it. It's as if my body is already broken. It's as if I already died. I mean, the Bible even says that the Lamb of God was slain, was killed, before the creation of the world. In other words, as far as God was concerned, your salvation and your freedom was a done deal before you were created. It was already done. And Jesus just came at just the right time and said, now's the time when I'm actually going to do it in time and space. And I'm going to accomplish what I've said since before I created. I am going to do it. And so as we, as we uh, ushers come on up, let's go ahead and just start passing it out uh, to everyone. You can pass out uh, both the, the cracker and, and, and the cup. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. That everything that's said in this passage, all the freedom, all the deliverance, all the joy, all the peace, all the breakthrough, the love, the wisdom, everything that's, that Jesus did was released through his death, his resurrection. And then his ascension to heaven where he sits in all authority and power. And that's what we're remembering today. We're remembering that Jesus is love. That Jesus is also Lord. That Jesus has won the victory. That Jesus still loves me even when I fail. That Jesus' blood is enough to cover all my sin. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Christmas without the cross is only a nice story. But Christmas with the cross is the greatest story ever told. It's the greatest reality ever experienced. It's the greatest truth that can ever be received into our hearts. And so as you, as you are receiving your cracker and your juice for remembering the broken body of Jesus and His, His blood that was poured out for us, and know that what Jesus promises is fulfilled in what He did with His body and His blood. Thank you, Jesus. You just want to hold up your hold up your representation of Jesus' body. Thank you, Jesus, that your brokenness is enough for my wholeness. Lord, that your death is, is enough for my freedom. That you accomplished everything you intended to accomplish. That there was nothing that was left out when you died. When you came and died, you, you missed nothing. There was, there was no, there was no 99%. It was 100% fulfilled. And so we thank you that the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. And we receive the fruit of that right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. As we take the cup right now, we celebrate the victory of the King. Thank you, Jesus, for pouring out your blood so that we could be free. So that we could be forgiven, so that we could be made new, so that we could be transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. So rather than being called Orphans, we can be called sons and daughters of the Most High God. We thank you, Lord, that you have brought us into your family. You have purchased us. You bought us. You bought us back as we were slaves to sin and fear and darkness. You bought us with your own blood, Jesus. You wanted to do it. You wanted to do it. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me, Lord. We receive the fruit of Jesus' blood into our lives. In His name we pray, amen.